All right, we are live, Deliberation Sports Podcast. Of course, I am Josh Mitchell along with Evan DeVoe and Justice Bowden with the special interview of today. We got local basketball expert extraordinaire joining us today. It's an honor to have him on the Deliberation Sports Podcast, Mr. Keith Easter. Y'all want to go with this? Let's do it. All right, well, uh, this this Evan, man, I'm gonna get right into it. So, of okay. course, the University of Memphis game uh, season ended a couple of days ago, man. We're just gonna get right into it. How do you think this team did in Penny's first year? I think they did well in terms of, and, and and you know, you guys call me coach, and I appreciate that. When you inherit somebody else's player, it's tough. Um, it's no matter what you think of Josh or Tubby or whatever, I'm not in all that, but there were guys that maybe didn't buy in all the time. Um, and I'm blessed. And then I've got some ties to the staff. I've talked to one of the assistants today and actually shared a phone number with him for a high school coach here in the community. Um, cause they're going to start recruiting some guys out of Hamilton Heights school here. Um, I think they did well. I think I mean, if you're going to grade, want a B plus. I mean, you know, there were times I wish Penny maybe showed more emotion on the sideline. But I'll say this: this is what I judge the staff by, and I watch this very closely. When you come out of a timeout, what do you do? And I would think that 90% or more of the time, when they came out of a timeout, offensively or defensively, they did the right thing. Was that Penny? Was it Sam? Was it Mike? Was it Madlock? I don't know. But I was impressed with their their what they did coming out of timeouts. And I think that's a big thing when you watch, especially late in the year, tournament time and things of that nature. And Penny's, Penny's reinvigorated the, the community. And, you, I mean, you'll get tickets sold. You'll get people going to games, money being raised and all that. And, um, and they got a hell of a class. And I was told today, without getting, you know, compromising sources or whatever, their class is not over. There's still more players coming. Right. Um, and so that, that'll that make next year even better. And I think when you play the style of ball he wants to play, I think it makes it better because he wants to run and trap. And when you got longer and bigger people, then I think it's, it's easier to play that style of play, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, Coach, man, I got one more for you. It's, it's crazy that you mentioned Hamilton Heights because I saw their boys. They're, they're a really good program, and they're girls, too. And it's, it's oh, kind of leads me. Off the chain. Yeah, yeah. Man, they are really off the chain. But it, it kind of leads me to my next question. You were big in Memphis uh, when it came to grassroots basketball, and I actually played for you myself. Actually, when I played for you, that was the first time, man, when I used to feel walking in gyms that people used to respect Memphis uh, when they <laughs> saw Memphis on the chest. Uh, I mean, they knew they were finna come in for a war, and I'm pretty right. sure you can, you can agree with that, but. Let me ask you this. You're still in the game a little bit. Do you feel like when Memphis teams walk in the gym now, people still have to respect and almost fear Memphis teams when they walk into the gym? Yeah, let me let me tell you. When, when I go to – and we're, we're going to do a tournament here at the end of the month, and I'll help facilitate it. Um, I'll go to Nike Memorial Day in Atlanta, and I'll go to Birmingham. It don't matter if you're the Memphis Kings or the Memphis Bulls. Obviously, we know about the, the EYBL. We know about, you know, Ernie Kuyper's group. It used to be Mike Miller's group. We know about Cowboy. You know, obviously, and, and, and Norton Hurd is just, that guy, I, I don't think he sleeps. He just works all the time for players. So when a Memphis team, like the first time I coached here, we went to Knoxville, and Team Thad came in. And I know them guys. And so they hugged me and loved me up, and my guys were like, you know them? I'm like, yeah, I've been knowing I coached against their kids. So, no, Memphis is special. Memphis is respected. I think if you got Memphis, you got Baltimore. The dynamics and, and, and demographic in New York has changed a little bit. Um, but, man, Memphis is special. When Memphis, a Memphis team goes in the, in the gym, people are, are, are aware. People are watching. People are looking. Um, and people now because of Twitter and Facebook and the internet and recruiting services, they keep up with, you know, we knew about the Lawson's when they were 10. And um, 
So no, it has it, it makes me feel proud to go somewhere and people I hear people talking with the respect they have for Memphis amateur basketball. Now, coach, this is justice. Uh, speaking of, of recruiting and Memphis, uh, the Tigers right now have four uh, kids that have, have either committed or signed to the University of Memphis, led by James Wiseman, uh, Malcolm Danridge, D.C. Jeffries, and, and also Damian Ball. Can you talk a little bit about each one of those guys and what uh, Penny Hardaway and his staff will be gaining next year in terms of talent? Yeah, I mean, Wiseman's obviously – the number one player in the country and could be the number one draft pick a year from now. Um, and his game has gotten so much better. He's got a good mid-range game. He can shoot it. I mean, y'all seen him. He's left-handed and he dunks with authority and he'll be the rim protector we didn't have this year. Uh, Malcolm gets healthy with his knee. He brings a physical presence to the game. Um, DJ is the guy that when the McDonald's came, game came out and, you know, people were talking and I started calling coaches um, and I'm blessed to have a good relationship with a lot of college coaches. He's the guy because um, he can do so many things. He can be a stretch three, stretch four. He can shoot it. He can handle. He can defend. He'll rebound. He, he's, he brings a dynamic that I don't know that anybody else does, even, even James. Um, Ball is just a physical guard that we don't have. And I'm not, you know, Alo is small, Harris is small. I get all that. It is what it is. But Ball brings a physical presence at the guard position that we don't have. And, again, not to compromise my conversations today, but I think there's another guard coming, a bigger guard, um, that are really, really around this class. Yeah, what they need is a shooter. And, you know, and fellas, I watched, and I, and I know, excuse me, I watched Wofford, and I was, and, and they came to Chattanooga and whatever, and I watched him, and, and I know Nate Hoover. I coached Nate Hoover's dad, Sammy. Um, those are the guys we got to get, you know, that can shoot the ball out of Memphis. And he obviously can do that. And you put him on the floor with the group we're talking about, and he's dangerous. Um but that class is good, but I think if you're objective, you know, who's going to be the knockdown shooter? Tyler, if you watch toward the end of the year, and I love the Harris family, but they played bigger defenders on him, so he's five, whatever, and he got six, eight on him, so now he's got to extend his, where he's shooting the ball from, and that makes it difficult. Um, so I, I think next year that's going to be the key. Who can go out there? you know, and knock shots down. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Supposedly, you know, I like Jones coming back. Um, the other kid, the left-handed kid, I can't think of his name coming back. And he can shoot it, but he was hurt this year. But that's going to be the key next year is who's going to be able to make some some outside shots for this team. Now, Coach, not sure if you're familiar with uh, Lester Kionez, who's out of uh, IMG Academy. Have you got a chance to check his game out? Yeah, I know him, and I talked to Trey Draper, and um, he can play. So, again, <laughs> he may be one of the guys that becomes a Tiger. You know, and now I think what you're seeing, him and Watford were mentioned with LSU. And Will Wade's a friend of mine. I don't want to get too caught up in that. And, um, you know, can they prove money changed hands and all that? We can, we can talk about that all night long. But that, Will Wade is a friend. He's a friend of mine. Um but you had LSU, you had Alabama, and Memphis, and a couple other schools. Well, now Alabama's got a higher coach. LSU's kind of in turmoil because what's going to go on with Will? And so I think Memphis may lead, you know, on Watford and, and with Lester. And um, now Lester, if they got him, he's the guy. He, he changes a lot because he's a knockdown shooter. So, um, again, not to, to compromise what I was told today, there, there's – there's more players coming to this class than what they have. And what they have already is top what? I mean, depends on who you talk to. Top five, six, seven in the country. Um, so Penny and him have done a good job, you know, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, maybe Mike Miller to UNLV, which I don't see happening. I don't, I'm not sure. I think Sam Mitchell brings a tremendous amount to that staff. Tony, Tony Matlock's not going nowhere. And um, so I, I don't know, but I, I think Lester – 
if you added him or Watford, because they both can shoot the appeal, I think it rounds that class out really nice. Definitely, definitely. And uh, this is Josh here, Coach. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about, you know, because uh, I want to get more into the recruiting aspect as well. But before I get to that, I want to ask you about Memphis and Kenny and all that. How do you feel, you know, your thoughts on kind of what he did in his first year? And mainly, how do you feel about the expectations heading into next year with what he's got, what he may be adding to this class, what's returning as well? What do you think is a fair expectation um, for what they got coming in? Because you already know in Memphis, the expectation through the roof. It's probably, you know, I'm already saying, hey, look, we're going to be Duke. We're going to be the Duke of, uh, you know, what they got going on this year, next year. So what do you think? How are you feeling about that? Well, and, and fellas, I'm old. I'm 59 years old. So I remember when Gene Barco came back from a loss in Texas, and they were two and three, and I was listening to George Lapidus, and they wanted to fire him. Now, that team went on and played a national championship game against Bill Walton in UCLA, yes, right. um, mm-hmm. they're going to be better. They're going to be better, you know, and you can't say, well, they're young. Well, hell, Duke starts four freshmen. Um, so, talent-wise, they're going to be better, and these are going to be Penny's guys. And so, you know, without seeing the schedule, and I think Houston takes a step back in, 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 the, in, the, in the American. Um, obviously, you know, my friend – um, Mick Cronin is going to be good at Cincy again. Um, but I think they got a chance to be a 25-win team and advance and get in the tournament. And I think this year, if you look at the net, whatever all that that means anymore, I don't know. But, you know, th- there were two teams that got in ahead of them where Memphis had a better net rating. So I think – and Memphis fans, and I'm one of them, you know, they're they're – we're crazy. And so we want to be in the tournament. We want to be in the oh, yeah. again. We want to be in the – yeah, we do, man. And you know what? We should yeah. expect that. With the talent mm-hmm. that he's bringing in and the talent that he's got, um, he showed he could coach. You know, and, and then, then what, hurt, what hurts me is people on the internet especially about, oh, I should have done this, should have widened this guy in. I mean, shut up. You don't know what the hell's going on at practice. You don't know what's <laughs> going on with Jones or some other guys. Um and when you coach a team, you know day in and day out, okay, this guy's not bringing it, this guy's not working, this guy's not on time, this guy's not doing this. And so Penny and him, my, my concern was <clears throat> when Tubby got hired, Penny was mentioned, and I know this for a fact. Penny went into a meeting with the people in Memphis and he was not prepared. And then when Tubby, at the end of Tubby's regime, they met with Penny again and he was more than prepared. And because I got a phone call, guy said, Keith, you ain't going to leave. Penny come in, man, like he's got a plan. He's putting his staff together. We know, you know, Larry Brown was mentioned. And, you know, we knew Madlock was coming, Rodney Hamilton. Um, I think it was a foregone collusion that, you know, Mike Miller would be involved. And then Sam Mitchell wound up being what Larry Brown was going to be, which was a veteran guy that you can listen to. And I think if you watch him on the bench, he listens to his staff. Um, but I think next year, to to look at Wiseman, to look at what they got coming, what they got coming back, and I think Alo got a lot better. Alo's never going to be a 20-point a scorer. He's yeah. a facilitator. He's a field general. I think that next year, the expectation should be we're in NC. Right now, we're dancing somewhere. Definitely, definitely. And- I got to ask you, uh, you, you talked about the coaching staff and everything. How do you feel, you know, looking at how they work together and everything? Do you feel it's important? Because I know there's rumors about Mike Miller and people wondering how, you know, what what that situation may or may not be. You know what I'm saying? Um, how do you feel about all that? Is it important for this staff to kind of stay together, only being together one year, or would it not be that big of a thing if, if one was to move on? Well, if some, you know, the Mercer job is open and Sam Mitchell's an alumni, but, you know, why would you go to Mercer and make less money than you make in Memphis? Um, yeah. You know, again, Mike's name's been mentioned at Vegas. I think the continuity of the staff is important, but I also think this. Man, man people, you know, when this happens, 
coaches refer to like he just it, it's a facade. It's not real. I mean, it's not going to work and blah, blah, blah. And then he started getting players, local players. So now the narrative is, and Penny said it, hey, people are hating on my staff. But the narrative now is when you go after guys, you know, with Cal, Kentucky, or Coach K at Duke, and North Carolina, and, and Kansas, and it does turn negative, and they need to. Coach. Coach, there's going to be people wearing Penny out, calling him. I already know guys that's going to do it. And they, they've called me, hey, Keith, if there's an opening, can you help me? And I'm really not. I'm like, eh, that ain't what I do, bro. But they, there's going to be a litany, a long line of people, if there's an opening, that want to come on board. And I think Penny and the people who stay um, will be selective in that guys who can get them players. Now, now speaking of the uh, coaching carousel around the country, Coach, this is Justice. Uh, what do you think about some of the job openings that are that are already out there or, or that appear to be uh, coming open, like an LSU and Alabama? Are, are, are these jobs attractive to some of the coaches out there? Do you, do you see a guy like maybe Kelvin Sampson moving on, or, or does he decide to stay uh, in, in the American Conference at Houston? Well, when you start throwing millions of dollars, and, and, and you know, you mentioned LSU, and um, and I, I don't know that Will will survive. Um, and I met him. <clears throat> excuse me. He he got the job at, at Tennessee Chattanooga on a Tuesday, and on Wednesday morning we were eating breakfast at the Reed House here. And and after about thirty minutes, I told him, I said, "Kid, you're about to be a millionaire." Because he just was bright. And then I started going to his practices, which, I mean, over time, I mean, my God, Patino and Cal, and I, if I, I mentioned it, Huggins, and I mean, I've been to some really good guys' practices, but his practices <clears throat> all tied into the game plan, all tied into the offense, all tied into the defense. He was in short sequences, but I'm watching him like, this cat knows what he's doing. Then he goes to VCU, has some success, and, in LSU, and, and I, I, I've talked to him, you know, within the last 24 hours. Um, he, he's not doing nothing nobody else did, so I'm not gonna get in all that. But um, Steve Forbes is a friend of mine at East Tennessee State University. I had him on a podcast with me, and I asked him, you know, I, and I thought they had a chance to get in a tournament this year. I said, if you get in a tournament, you know, and you get a game, bigger schools come at you. And he hit me with something that really resounded to him. He said, you don't mess with happy. So, are you chasing millions? you chasing happy? I mean, I don't know, but, you know, the, 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 the thing that bothers me, and I mentioned it with Gary Tuesday, is I think some of these mid-majors have unrealistic expectations, you know, and they're not paying a lot. I mean, Tennessee Chattanooga pays $190,000, which... Hell, I'd be happy to make $190,000. I ain't going to lie to you. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, but then a oh, guy yeah. comes in and offers you. So Will left here for $190,000, went to VCU, made $900,000. Now he's making, and, and, and if it's a lawyer thing now, now he's making $200,000 a month at LSU. So, that's crazy. yeah, no, no, yeah. So, you know, that shit I did for free, okay? So do you <laughs> do you do for the money do you do to be happy I don't know the kid the guy at Georgia State going to Tulane which I think is a dead end job but they're playing, they're playing more Ron Hunter they're paying more than Georgia State did and he tried to stay at Georgia State but they wouldn't commit to him long term which was stupid um, so I don't know I mean to start you know plucking names and all that where guys going to go I think the guy in Nevada is going to be a name um so I don't know. It's, it's, it's again, it's up to the individual. You know, UCLA job is open. You know, I was in LA six months ago. The traffic, the people, the environment to me was awful. I don't ever want to go back. Um, <laughs> but if it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, me and Tony Harris talked about it. I mean, I mean, it's uh, it took me it took me and my wife to go from Roscoe's Waffles and Wings 
to Santa Monica where we're staying in, which was, I don't know, four miles. It took two hours. I'm like, this this ain't for me, you know. And she and I have talked about moving to Atlanta. She actually just got back from a convention there. She's like, no, nah, we ain't going to Atlanta. The traffic is horrible. So you have to balance that out. People mention Cal going to UCLA. I just don't think that's going to happen. I know him. I know his wife. I know his family. I mean, they're the king and queen of Lexington, Kentucky, the whole state. Um, to go out there, Cal has no patience. I'm telling you, I've seen him cuss and roast everybody. And if he's got to go four or five miles in, in two hours, that dog ain't going to hunt. So, I don't know. But there's going to be some movement. There always is. Again, I just hate for the mid-major coaches that expectations sometimes are, are unrealistic, if you will. Yeah, oh, and, and, and man, coach. Oh no, and, and, and coach, uh, you talked a little bit about uh, coaching conversation and, and you know what Will Blade's making down there at LSU. I wanted to ask you a bit about the players, and you know what are your thoughts on you know compensation for guys that elect to go to college, especially the one and done guys like a Zion Williamson. Right now, of course, we know they're not making money and it's the amateur thing but what are your thoughts on it long term in terms of where uh, college basketball should head on this thing you know man I was it, my life changed when I met Sonny Vaccaro and um, it opened doors to me that would not have been opened and I met you and other guys and got to do a lot of stuff and Sonny's a believer in players getting compensated and so there are guys that you know, that in Memphis that played for me, that committed to schools, and I would call Sonny and say, hey, Marlin Towns is going to Arkansas. They took care of Sylvester Ford, and I'm not saying nothing that's not known. And Sonny would be like, let me call no one and be sure Marlin's taken care of. But then Marlin got there, and then he calls me midseason. Of course, there was a question about his ACT and all that. He's like, Keith, I feel like I'm a slave because I got paid to be here. I'm like, bro, it what it is. And he left and went to Murray State. But um, if you're Zion and you can sell a T-shirt, I mean, they got him on ESPN for commercials already for ESPN making money. Then I, I'm a believer that there's a way somewhere, and I'm not smart enough maybe to get it done, but these guys should be able to make money. The, the few that are really, really special should be in a position. If you're selling their jerseys, you're selling a t-shirt, you're selling their likeness, let them sign a shoe deal. I mean, if, if Zion wants to sign with Nike, what's wrong with Nike giving him money right now? And so, so I'm for that, but I don't know that the purest will ever let it happen. You know, I mean, Cal makes $9 million a year. None of his guys, well, I ain't gonna say that, but they say none of his guys are getting nothing, but somebody getting something. You follow what I'm saying? You ain't getting big time players without doing something for somebody, or an exactly. agent doing something for somebody, a runner doing something for somebody. As we, again, you heard, you know, Will on the the tape recording or the, the transcripts of it, um, same way with Archie at Arizona, same way with Bill Self at Kansas. I mean, I mean, fellas, I, I've gone with big-time players to big-time events. You get to the parking lot, and there are people waiting on you at your van. And um, there's a guy coaching high school ball in Memphis that called me one night. He said, if you'll convince, because the kid was close to me, he said, if you'll convince this kid to go to this particular school, we can split $100,000. But, but I had... I was doing radio, I had a job, I was doing Sunny, and, you know, and I knew the kid didn't want to go there, and I was like, eh, now, looking back on it, you know, I probably should have banked 50 grand, but, so, <laughs> it, it, it's out there, it's not going away, um, I think people, every year, <clears throat> I would get boxes dropped at my front door of different school stuff, 
You know, I, I got a box in the garage now, all kind of messed stuff. Um, and they can't do that now because people are watching everything going on. And so, but no, to, to answer your question, there's got to be a way for a Zion, for an RJ, or hell, for Wiseman to benefit off of his likeness without compromising his eligibility at a college. All right, Coach, man, it's uh, Evan again. So I want to put you on the spot. So you coached a lot of good teams and a lot of good players, and you, you're probably going to piss some of your old players off with this answer. But <laughs> give me your best team and your best player you ever played, you ever coached, and it got to be one. Well, the year, you know what? We, we lost the national championship game. We scored to go up one on the Georgia Stars. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and there was like 12 seconds. And Lou Will, who is sixth man of the year with the Clippers, he walks the ball, and I'm looking. And he walks it just so cool up the floor. And Sean Williams is screaming at Willie Kim to push up. And Willie had a habit of not doing that. And so Helly crosses half court eight, seven, six. And he stopped. He's 30 feet. And, and Willie never pushed up on him. And when he left his hands, I could have thrown up because he was pure. And so we lose a national championship game, which at the time was bigger than, you know, perhaps what it is now because you got so many tournaments. But that team had Willie Kemp. Duke Calhoun played in the NFL. Wayne Chisholm, Tennessee, still playing overseas. Sean Williams. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. There, there are people that think if you – Jeff Goodman's one of them, think that's one of the top ten summer AAU teams in history. Um, Pierre Niles, I could go, you know, go on and on. And But that team – the team took a toll because there were so many agents and runners and people – after them for the wrong reason. And then you had the family members, Daddy's his dad, you know, Dad Young, and still playing the NBA 13 years. And um, Tyler Smith, in that game, he jumped so high to dunk. His head was above the rim. And rather than dunk it, he kind of floated it. And then there was a timeout, and the guys in the huddle were like, why don't you dunk the damn ball? He's like, I was so high, I was scared, you know. And so, um, that was a hell of a collection of talent. It was a lot of fun to interact and get to know them guys, J.P. Prince. Um, but it takes a toll because you're on guard every day. I mean, they would go to the bathroom and runners would go with them and get their phone out, which to me is, is obscene. But um, And then at the hotel... I went and checked on Sean one night. And I did a good job, fellas. I did a good job. Y'all know me of taking care of my guys and looking after my guys. Did they eat? Were they sleeping well? And so I went one night and checked. Sean was staying with J.P. Prince. And I went in the room and J.P., I was like, where's Sean? He said, he's in a uh, jacuzzi room. I'm like, I ain't paying for no jacuzzi room. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I go back. It's a true story. And, and I love that. Man, and Sean Williams, my guy, he talked so openly and honest to me. And I did the same with him. I never pulled no punches with guys because I was from where he was from. And I knock on this door. He opens the door. He's got a towel wrapped around him. And there's a girl in the jacuzzi. I said, come uh, here, man. And I said, I can't, I can't be party to this. An agent had bumped him up to a jacuzzi room. You with me? So I told him, I said, tomorrow night you either come back and stay with us or you don't play. And then the year before when we won the national championship, I'm trying to remember, it was Andre Allen, Corey Brewer, and Sean Williams. I look out the window at 3 o'clock in the morning. They're getting in a van. I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I called. Nobody would answer the cell phone, of course. So the next morning, and Dre was the same way. He was open and honest with me. We didn't pull no punches. So about 10 o'clock, he knocks on my hotel room door. I'm like, where were you at last night? He said, Keith, 
this agent, runner, whatever the hell he was, said a van would pick us up, which they did because I witnessed it. And they were going to take us to another hotel and there would be, for lack of better expression, a white woman and a black woman and the three of us were just going to hang out. And I'm like, well, hell, I'm a white guy. I can't compete with that. You follow what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 yeah. But, but I told him, I said, the thing is that you're okay, you're safe, and, you know, but I can't condone that. But that's just a glimpse of just some of the shit that went on over the years. Um, I was going to coach a team this year. The parents already got on my nerves. I told them, just y'all go do what y'all do. And I'm having some health issues anyway. And, um, but, yeah, so guys should make money. Guys should get benefits. Um, and so what? Would, whatever's going to go on with Will and with, you know, I know Jim Gatto. I know Jim Gatto when he got hired as a DJ. Son of a Carol hired him. So I know, and I know Merle. I know all them guys. And so they're going to serve their time. They'll get out. Um, but if you think this thing is going away of hustling players, paying players, taking care of players, then, then you live in another world. Okay, Coach, man. Uh, I want to ask you about, you mentioned Hamilton Heights. Uh, I want to ask you about two guys. And if you can okay. let us know, uh, their games. Uh, we, of course, know about Jordan Ross. He's a point guard. He's a top 60 player. He's actually, uh, yeah, he's actually going to play with Team Thad this summer. And right. uh, Byron Mottos, uh, I'm from pronouncing the name right, he's top 156.84. Can you kind of break those guys' games down to the Memphis audience? Because those guys are right here in the state, um, and, and I'm pretty sure Memphis will be recruiting those guys this year. So can you kind of break those guys' games down for us? Yeah, and I actually sent Tony Matlock, the coach at Hamilton Heights, his phone number tonight. Rawls is a 6'2 guard. Um... His daddy played at Brainerd, played at Austin P. Um, was was Mr. Basketball and whatever. But Rawls is shaky and bakey and can score it. He can shoot it. Um, if he would, and I say this a lot of times about guys here. If y'all were in Memphis, you would be a household name. You know. Um, so I'm a Jordan Rawls fan. You know, me and his daddy didn't get along per se, but that's okay too. The other kid is a six eight stretch four who shoots it, you know. The headmaster that was at Hamilton High has gone to a school in Mississippi. So I don't know I don't know I don't know the that the interest of keeping this going per se, but um they have done a good job. I mean you got the kid of Virginia Tech, you've got the kid with the Clippers. I mean they've gotten they've had really, really, really high level guys. There's a six ten kid there that Lindsey Davis placed from the Bahamas and I think that's why Tony was calling because I told him about him so so they've got good players but I think I think the best guy there is Walls now will Memphis go after him I don't know but I can tell you this he can play at Memphis he's good enough and he, he's got you know you go in the huddle with me if you can't handle the heat then you can't handle the heat he, he's a guy that you could roast, and he'd be like, yes, sir. He'd go out there and perform. And um, so it, they're not going anywhere. But, uh, but again, for some reason, and you asked me about it, but t- but Tony asked me today for the, the, the coach's number, and I sent it to him. So, you know, I, I'll follow up on that and see what's going on. All right, Coach Defford, Defford, this is Josh again. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you talked about a coach, uh, a player handling getting roasted, things of that nature. I, I've been shocked that this has even been an issue, but I got to get your thoughts on this. With the whole Tom Izzo, I believe it was the last game, where he was getting in a player's, you know, grill d- during a timeout. You got social media kind of, you know, you know, hitting him up and saying, man, I'll be glad when that type of coaching is extinct. And, yeah, I saw you know, that. Play- I'll say this to you. That's yeah. Bullshit, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to get your I, thoughts I raised, on that. I raised, I raised two sons, and I and, and you know what? And I didn't whoop them a lot, but when I did, I got the attitude adjustment that I wanted. And and in Memphis, I could go in a huddle and I could punch you in the chest, short arm you. Everybody didn't see it necessarily at Sheffield or Ridgeway, whatever. I can't do it today, obviously. 
But yeah. if you're not allowed to coach a guy, look, Billy McCoo, I just reached out to his grandson. Uh, by the way, he's a football player at Olive Branch. He's kind of neat. Billy McCoo whooped me with the razor strap for two years. And it probably changed my life because um, I respected him. I loved him when I was scared of him. Um, if we can't coach them, then, I mean, what are we doing? That's why guys change so many high school teams and AAU teams and, because once you get into them, they want to go somewhere else. And today, yeah. guys, I, I go to too many tournaments. They don't get into these guys. And y'all are, y'all are males. Y'all know the people that you love and respected, they got into you because they wanted the best out of you. And I exactly. think that's what we're missing in today's game. Now, now Keith, this is Justice again. Uh, speaking yes, of, of coaches uh, who are tough, hard-nosed, that, that – bring to mind uh, you know the old school way of coaching uh, and, and guys that can really get it done Keelan Lawson has recently won uh, a second state championship at, at Wooddale High School and also right. uh, of course he's the father of uh, Diedrich who's been dominant at, at Kansas uh, KJ uh, Chandler and, and also Jonathan Chandler's headed to Oregon talk a little bit about uh, what it was to, to see Keelan come up through the ranks as, as one of the great coaches in Memphis and also about the impact his sons are making uh, all, all across the country. You know, I watched Keelan at Hamilton and, and Ted Anderson, I had a love-hate relationship, but I loved the hell out of Ted Anderson. Um, and then Keelan obviously came back home and, and went to Lemoyne and then he got into coaching and um, and there was a Saturday morning, fellas. I'm downstairs in the recliner watching ESPN. And Keelan had texted me from Miami that he was in an Adidas Nation deal with uh, the older guys. And he wanted me to help him get a shoe deal with Adidas, which I would have gladly done. And uh, But he didn't know what to ask for and, and things of that nature. So we're texting. And um, Yanni Huffnagel called me. He was at Vanderbilt. And he said, Keith, if we hired Keelan, would the kids come with him? I'm like, yeah, that's, his, that's his kids, yes. And so I texted Keelan back. <laughs> I said, the hell with the shield deal. You want to be a college coach? And he called me. You could hear balls bouncing and shoes squeaking. I said, Keelan, I don't, I was just sitting in my living room, man. I had nothing going on and no dog in the hunt. I said, look, Yanni Huffnagel called would you want to talk to him? He said, yeah. So Keelan subsequently talked to him on the phone. Then he met with, um, with Kevin in, um, in Jackson, Tennessee. And Kevin, who got fired from, uh, Pittsburgh last year, he didn't want to pull the trigger on. He didn't think that it being Vanderbilt, they were too hoity-toity and, it didn't, it didn't fit the, dem, the dem, demographics. Excuse me, of Vanderbilt. Well, then I, I shared all this with Gary Parrish. Gary, my guy. I give Gary everything. So Sports Illustrated calls, ESPN calls, whatever. I had a guy roast me from, from Sports Illustrated. Ah, oh, you're Gary's guy. Well, yeah, Gary's a friend of mine. So whatever I, I get first, I give to him if he wants it. And so Gary wrote an article the people in Memphis, the power people in Memphis picked up on it. And they basically told Josh, you're going to hire kids and we're going to get these kids, which is what happened. And then Tubby came in. And man, I don't lie to you, it hurt me. Tubby, because I talked to Keelan. Keelan was good to me, man. Keelan was great to me. And Tubby and his staff were rude to him. They were disrespectful to him. Um, Keelan wanted to learn to trade his thing to me was, hell, Keith, if I could be a head coach in the SWAC, I'd be happy. And I'm like, and I, and I said, I'll help you any way I can. But like I say, Tubby and his staff, he, I don't, and he's done good not not telling it. But they were they were really rude and crude to that guy. You know, we took a Hamilton team undefeated. The only other guy I know who I love to death was Bertie Sales to do that, to win a state championship, one of the great Melrose teams. Um... 
which I had the fortune to see play at the Coliseum, Larry Finch, Johnny Newman, and now I'm giving my age up. And um, But he got to Wooddale, and I know the Brainerd people here really well, not to Keeling them beating the semis. And I was like, y'all ain't beating them. And then even the guy, you know, Coach LeVar, when, when he gave his press conference after the game, he was like, in Chattanooga, we don't see Wooddale teams, 6'8", 6'8", 6'8", athletic and long. Um, for him to do what he did at a school that's never even been to the state was unprecedented. I'm proud for him, proud for his family. Um, and, and y'all see it on social media and you hear it. He didn't pimp them kids out, bro. He he just got, he got a phone call from some dumbass white guy, me, and was like, you, you are you interested? That's what really was the catalyst of getting this going. He never called nobody and said, take my kids and hire me. He never did none of that. So when I, and, and I, I get tired of the fight, like I'm tired of the fight for my friend Will Wade, but Kiva never tried to sell them guys, pimp them guys, broker them guys or nothing. It was a phone call. It was a Geary Parish article. And then a call from Memphis saying, hey, come over here and bring your kids. And he was like, Okay, because he went from whatever a teacher makes, I have no idea what a teacher makes, to getting, I met him one night in Memphis. He had his free vehicle, he's making 150 Gs, and I mean, who wouldn't take that opportunity plus you're with your kids? Josh was good to him in trying to teach him how to, how to advance scout individuals and games and recruit. Um, and then when Tubby came in, all that stopped, so. But I'm not. I'm proud, man. Look, I wish that we had won Manassas in single A, Wooddale won in double A, East won in triple A. The, the demographics in Memphis now, East is changing to a STEM school. I think Whitehaven will be good again. Uh, I knew I knew Bearden was good because of people here. I, I talked to enough people to keep up with them. but So I don't know what's going to happen with triple A coming out of Memphis going forward. Okay, Coach, uh, this is Evan again, man. Last question before we get you out of here, man. We definitely appreciate your turn on. Uh, I'm going to get back to the University of Memphis, and I know you you said that you believe Matt Locke and uh, Sam will stay. I want to ask you, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is the possibility that you think Mike Miller is on the staff at the University of Memphis next year? You know, I, I really don't know. I did, or I have, spoke to somebody me and my wife were in Vegas two months ago. Um, I spoke to somebody at UNLV about two yeah, weeks ago. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a ball, man. I ain't going to lie to you. Vegas is the shit. And so, um, you know, and she kept winning money. She won like $3,000. I'm like, I just quit playing. I'm like, go ahead on, do what you do. And, um, and I got a great wife, man. I got a tremendous, tremendous woman for a wife. And, um, but I did speak to somebody at UNLV a couple weeks ago. And they don't know that that's going to happen for him. I do know from talking to people, you know, I think Mike, from an ego standpoint, the NBA standpoint, who he is, would like to be a head coach. Um, and you don't hear his name affiliated right now with any other jobs. And, I, and I'll say this. To date, the guys that he's supposed to be tied in with if not committed to Memphis. Um, so I don't know. But but if I had to bet, I would think he's back in Memphis. I mean, his wife likes Memphis. You know, his, his cousin Ernie's running the AAU program there. Of course, he's been a, a uh, NBA vagabond and lives a lot of different places. You know, how could you be wrong living in Vegas and making millions of dollars? But I think the guys that I talked to, Vegas is trying to hit a home run. Um, is that Rick Pitino or whoever? I don't know. I mean, you know, when you hire, like Memphis hired Tubby, and I think you guys would agree maybe, Tubby can coach his ass off. I, I, I mean, I watched Tubby Kentucky. He, he can X and O and coach his ass off. But I don't think Memphis was a good fit. Um, and I hated that. You know, when hey, anybody... Hey, hey, yeah, hey, hey, coach. My, my, I'm sorry. This is Evan, man. Hey, I want to ask you something. I'm, I'm glad you you got on that topic because yeah. a lot of people, I feel like, uh, 
Memphis fans, after Passner, I felt like, and I rooted for the guy because I'm, I'm like, you I believe he he coaches butt off. And actually, him winning the national championship at Kentucky was the first ever national championship I watched. But right. I really feel like Memphis made the wrong hire because Tubby just did what Tubby usually do. He'll build a program up for two to three years, and I don't think the fan base was patient enough. Uh, I'm not getting y'all topic. What I want to ask: Do you think the AD and the administration did their due diligence in looking at Tubby's background before they made that hire, or they just looked at the name and got him to agree and, and thought it was going to be a home run? I mean, in, in in my opinion, it was just the name. But at the same time, when they hired him, I thought she was Tubby Smith. I mean, um, yeah. And I, and I met Tubby when he got the Tulsa job. It's a 1500 Nationals in Kingsport, Tennessee. I mean, he come in with the Tulsa shirt on and. I think Gigi was playing, and, and I had a team there, and, you know, we, we talked, and um, I talked to him at the ABCD basketball camp after he won the national championship in Teaneck, New Jersey. I mean, it was it was very inspiring. He walked in with this beautiful Kentucky blue shirt on, and there must have been 250 coaches on the baseline. If you've ever been to a camp like this, there's four floors going on. On one floor... You've got NBA guys actually just running drills with guys, getting to know them and things of that nature. On the other three, you got games. And I think the year, the first year, you know, Felipe Lopez was player of the year. Next year was Marbury. And, you know, I was there when when LeBron killed Lenny Cook and all that. But when Tubby walked in that day, after they'd won the national championship, the C part of it, everybody got out of his way and showed him a tremendous amount of respect. But... I've always said Memphis is different. You got to know the fabric of the city. You got to know who Cowboy is. You got to know who Shane is. You got to know where the barbershops are. You got to know the the, the the lay of the land because the people in factories, the people in the barbershops, the people doing what you do, they can they can change a narrative for a kid and his family. Um, like Penny Turntyler and obviously Alo, and so I just think Tubby was at the wrong place. I even tried to help them. There were two guys who wanted to transfer back home, and I called and gave the information, and they never followed up. And that, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not nobody, brother. Just just a guy that got lucky and. But I did share information with two guys. If, you, if I told you who they were, you'd probably be like, damn. And I gave them phone numbers. I said, who were they, Coach? Who were the players? Yeah, I was about to say, you can go ahead and tell us if you want to. You tell us who the players are. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> but I think but they, never, they never called. Make a long story short, the people that called me were like, Keith, they never called. I'm like, I mean – what do you do? I mean, you 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 know, you take a horse to the the, the trough. If he don't drink, shit, that's on him. But so they were good to me too. I mean, every staff. I, I go back to Moaba, and and then knowing the Memphis coaches and obviously Bartow and and coming forward Wayne Yates and all them guys. But for some reason, you know, and people got pissy when he hired Saul as actually a coach and not Keelan. Um, had he hired, and you can fill in the blanks wherever you want. Had he hired a Madlock or somebody who, who who had their their ear to the ground in Memphis and knew what was going on, I think they would have been better off. But he didn't. So, you know, him and Pooh and Esposito and Saul, they came in and people didn't know them. And then they didn't invite Norton Hurd to practice. They didn't invite Cowboy to practice. They didn't invite, you know, Ernie Kiefer to practice. Um, and that's the easy thing to do. You go to practice, you know, if I had high-level players, you invite me over. Not that you have to do that, you know. And then when I leave, hell, I leave with a box of Memphis stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wearing that around my guys and my kids. But, no, I, I'm like you. I just think it was the wrong place, the wrong time for the wrong guy. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, Coach Eastwood, man, we definitely appreciate you for coming on with us, man, on the uh, Deliberation Sports Podcast with, with us, man. And uh, any last words you got to say about anything before we uh, before we end this great interview here? No, man, I'm proud to do it. You know, I keep up with you guys. I know who you are. And, uh, 
know, I do Gary, I do my podcast on and off. I feel like it, and uh, I'm just proud that you guys would have me on and still, you know, think about me being credible in the game. Appreciate that. Appreciate you, Coach. Oh, Coach, we appreciate you, and we're going to continue to listen to your podcast and listen with you on uh, Gary as well. Thank you for coming right, on, Coach. Man, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. All right, guys. Well, there you have it uh, on the latest uh, edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Keith Easterwood uh, came on. What do you guys think? I mean, whenever you get a guy like uh, Coach Easterwood on, man, he he's kind of just like a seamless interview. He has so much knowledge and, and history uh, for yeah. Memphis basketball. And it's just basketball as a whole. I mean, some of those teams he had, man, when he was running the thing down here in Memphis, and he was the guy. Uh, for summer basketball in Memphis. He had, uh, like you said, one of the top 10 grassroots teams of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just speaks volumes of the talent that has been through Memphis. And I know you guys always hear me asking guys, uh, do they think Memphis is still respected uh, whenever they go out on the summer circuit? Because that's a real thing. Uh, that, that's real. Uh, guys are going to respect that Memphis on your shirt. So, I mean, whenever you could get a guy like Coach Easterwood on your show, uh, you're interviewing it, but you're really just soaking up a lot of knowledge, too, man. I think it was a hell of an interview. Yeah, man. Because I'll say for myself, just sitting back and listening to all the stories, man, and just everybody he knows, which is unbelievable, uh, you know, just hearing all that knowledge, man. So definitely uh, great to hear, especially his opinions on recruiting and, and paying players. I couldn't agree more. I feel good. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> How could you not? You know? So it's, it was another great addition, man. Um, so definitely appreciate y'all for listening, y'all out there for, for checking us out. Um, and Justice, uh, you know how we do. Let the people know how they can follow all things deliberation so they can know where to listen to this podcast in the future. They can follow us on Twitter, Deliberation SP1, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Deliberation Sports. We have the Deliberation Sports Community Group. And also they can subscribe uh, to Deliberation Sports Podcast via the Anchor app. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, anywhere you can subscribe, uh, look for us on the Deliberation Sports Podcast. All right, all right. So without any further ado, guys, we appreciate it from the Deliberation Sports crew. I'm Josh Midget, Evan DeVoe, Justice Bolden here, and uh, we will see you all next time.